good evening, everyone. It's uh, roughly 7.30 my time on the Pacific Northwest, uh, out in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in just north. I'm actually south of Seattle. And uh, this is Jeff with uh, Returning to Eden. And Tina's not going to be joining us this program. Uh, I have a special guest and a friend of mine who's going to be joining us. Uh, his name is Jorge Ramos. And, uh, I, you know, before I bring him on, I'm going to tell you a little story about how I met him. I went to a function where he was speaking, and uh, after the function, I walked up to him and I said, uh, you know, I introduced myself or something. I can't remember exactly what I did, but uh, I told him that I'd talk about Israel. And uh, that was a, a buzzword for him because he was, uh, if I remember right, and he'll correct me uh, when I introduce him, uh, Israel was kind of the thing that brought us together in the conversation. And so that was a couple of years ago. And now we've come, you know, two years down the road. And I thought, you know, he has an interesting life, an interesting story, interesting family. Uh, I'd like to have people listen to Jorge Ramos, my friend. And so I asked him if he would be a part of uh, this program on Returning to Eden. Now, <clears throat> Jorge, let me introduce you. You are Jorge Ramos. You are an attorney at law. You live here in the Pacific Northwest. You are a father. You have two beautiful daughters, beautiful wife, and you have a third child on the way. Uh, welcome to Returning Teen. How are you, my friend? Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of your show, you and Dina. As you know, I listened to you guys for about 20 hours on my trip to New Mexico. <laughs> really? <laughs> That was after we met, though, right? You didn't know about the show before, right? No, you introduced me to it, and uh, I just listened to it uh, probably, yeah, 12 hours down, 12 hours up, and I think I finished it. Wow. Well, now, listen, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and, uh, you know, although I don't know your, your, your life with regard to being a lawyer, I do know your family. I know your children. I know you have a third baby on the way. Congratulations. And uh, But I want to kind of pick your brain and take you back a little bit uh, for the sake of our audience because you were raised Catholic. Is that correct? Yeah, my mom and dad are from a small town in Mexico in the state of Jalisco, Mexico. It's near Puerto Vallarta, Guadalajara. And diehard Catholic, you know, grow, grew up having to go to Sunday school, I mean, if you can imagine a little Mexican town, the cathedral's in the middle of the town, so that's what they lived for. Uh, my mom is diehard as, as you can get. Now, are you, um, you, you, weren't, you were born in the States, is that correct? Yeah, my dad came up in the, I think, 70s, and I was born in 1985 here in uh, Renton, Washington. Oh, you were born in Renton, Washington? You Valley were born Valley. in Washington State? I, I'm hearing something for the first time. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, 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 you, you, weren't, uh, you weren't a Catholic uh, minion, if you will. You, you, you kind of grew up in not necessarily – you didn't follow your mother in her – is that right? I would say I noticed her devotion, and I appreciated it, but no, I was not a, a diehard. I did not, 
do my rosary or I got up to First Communion and and then started working at Azteca and was excited that I didn't have to go to church on Sunday at some point and uh, kind of just left it there, uh, stopped seeking God, stopped thinking about Him really. Now your family, your family, uh, your your father's family, I should say, uh, has a restaurant chain, a successful restaurant chain, and you were a part of that. And I don't really want to go into all the details on that, but you you weren't the uh, you weren't the Mexican running across the desert in order to get into the United States of America. You have a successful family, a successful. Uh, you grew up with a successful environment, uh, with the restaurants and the family members all participating. Your dad and your uncles. Uh, which is, uh, you know, most Americans don't really see that when they talk about, quote-unquote, the Hispanic community. The American mindset is, you know, people running across the border, but you're an American. You were born here. Your family prospered here. and uh, But you, all, you ultimately went off to college. And uh, just from some of the conversations we've had, and at a time or two difficult conversations we've had, you are a diehard liberal. What what does that mean? Well, you just said I I was born in Washington, lived here my whole life, uh, had no no uh, faith, so I was pretty much gobbled up by by everything around me. All my friends, liberal, godless, uh, so I just sucked up the culture around me and the schooling and. Uh, we are very blue in Washington, so I was pro-choice um, because I, I was the only. I didn't understand how anyone could be something else. Uh, I um, went off to UW, University of Washington, and I'm sure it's a hub for organizations like Black Lives Matters and all that type of stuff. And I just honestly, I didn't see. On, a, on alternative, uh, I became very liberal in, in the most extreme sense that you could think uh, because I didn't have faith. I didn't have any other. It's all about worldview, and my worldview was um, I can't even explain it anymore because I'm so far gone from it, but I'm sure Jeff could do a better idea, a better job than me. I'm curious because you're 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 making the the statement that you didn't have any faith. So are you I saying did. that the liberal diehard mechanisms that you were influenced by were faithless? I mean, did you meet any believers in your journey at Washington State or University of Washington? Or, or was, the liberal, was the liberalism more that religion as opposed to where you are today? How, how would you compare the two? And we'll get into the second part in a minute. But we're all diehard liberals, faithless people. You know, it's funny. I mean, maybe it was just because I was so faithless that I didn't even, I didn't even look for it. You know, if someone mentioned God, I would just probably laugh it off or, or uh, think what the typical atheist or liberal would say. Uh, I don't have time for that. Uh, you know, fairy tales, things like that. I mean, I was, I wasn't a militant atheist, but I was. Pretty much, uh, I just tossed it aside and moved on with my life, uh, focused on what I thought mattered at the time. And so, if you were to ask me if I could remember if I met a liberal who was into God, honestly, 
in my journey now, I, I can't think of it. I mean, honestly, not not of what what I'm encountering now in my life. Now you're in your mid thirties, correct? You've been out of school for ten years. Have you been practicing the law for the bulk of those ten years? Yes, I've been doing. I did family law for eight years, and then I did uh, entered into covenant with Yeshua with Jesus, or I got born again, and it was a radical experience where, I don't know, I just questioned everything I was doing, so I I thought out different legal work, and that's where I came across Pacific Justice Institute, and that's where you met me. I, uh, I was speaking for them at a Republican group in Bellevue, and I did that for about two years, established their office in Seattle, and then I decided to jump back uh, I just thought I'll have to go back into the muck of family law where it's just a lot of a lot of hurting and a lot of opportunity to help people. Well we've got we've got uh, a couple of doors to go through here. So now you're you're you how did you end up becoming a believer? Tell me that story. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost three years. Uh 2017, January 7th, uh, I remember the day really clearly. Uh, there's just a lot going on in, in life. I had, and when I heard you speaking about my upbringing, uh, I did have, a lot of people probably resented me. I mean, I had kind of a silver spoon life. Everyone thought I had no worries. My dad was wealthy. You know, we had, we had everything we needed, and I felt some resentment sometimes from people. Uh, would later find out some people thought I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve to go to law school, things like that. Uh, and, you know, when I was about, so I would have been 30, 32, uh, I actually reflected on my own life. Uh, my, my wife had a tragic loss in her family, which kind of just opened up my eyes to our mortality and just what life's about. And I realized uh, just how blessed I was, really, and how I was holding on to a lot of resentment towards my father and just being a victim. And, I mean, some people could say maybe my worldview prior, I don't want to call it a liberal worldview, but my prior worldview was of a victim that even though I had so much done for me, I still felt that I was I deserved more and that I suffered more than I should have. And uh, it was just over. Wait, wait, and it was somebody else's fault. You see, when once you yeah. once you make that connection, that's the entire liberal worldview. So I, I unfortunately, that's kind of the reality in our culture. It's somebody else's fault, and you know, you, you have to. There's a blame game going on instead of an accountability. And I just have always seen that as a liberal worldview. But you came to realize that that's not necessarily the case, so you made this this uh, you made this decision to pursue religion. How did that happen? Yeah, specifically, uh, what happened? Yeah, I I mean, I it's hard to pinpoint what it was, but I think it was just I was in church. I was in a church uh, listening to the pastor on a specific day. Why were you in the church? Uh, yeah, my wife, uh, she grew up 
just like me, actually, we got our first communion at the same church, same kind of Catholic upbringing. Her family's from New Mexico. She actually stayed connected, wanted to go to churches, and I was kind of going along with it with her. Uh, and this one day, it, we got invited by friends, and she decided to go. I said no. I ended up changing my mind because I had hurt her feelings by not going. And there was just a lot of me. Uh, honestly, it was wanting to be a better person, a better husband, a better father. Uh, and maybe it was finally not playing the victim card and realizing that I had to take responsibility for what I've done. And every day you wake up, you make decisions. So whatever happened in the past didn't matter anymore. And so that day I decided you hear the idea of following, following Jesus. Uh, I've heard it, thought about it. I said, okay, I actually left church. I did tear up that day. Didn't know what it meant. Texted all my friends. Hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. Kind of wanting it to make it. A... <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, I know. Imagine like all my liberal friends, like what the hell is this guy talking about? Uh, but for me to like commit to something, I kind of knew I had to not just hide, you know, like um, do it on the side, or whatever. So I, I just said that, and then I started reading. And as you know, I've, I've probably, I'm up to about 150 books right now since I started. <laughs> you know, that page on my website, uh, free, from, uh, free from Fear US, I've been thinking about naming the, the page Jorge's page because you've read more books than I've read in the last 10 years. You've, you've done it the last three years. <laughs> but anyway, so you're, you saw this, this transformation taking place within you. Yes. And that so, was a direct result of, of finding out a little bit about Jesus? Oh, yeah. Uh, a good friend of mine, you know, he had just come to faith maybe five years before, so I reached out to him, kind of told him. He's excited, told me him and his friends have been praying for me. And he just told me, hey, just start reading the Gospels twice through. And I vividly remember just kind of driving in my car and thinking, is Jesus serious? Like, he really means what he's saying. And I, I was still learning. I mean, I didn't know anything about Hebrew background. Or, but I knew what he was saying was revolutionary and not, you know, something just to go to church and sit on my pew and, and that's it. Uh, I remember vividly kind of crying out, praying to God, like, I don't want to just sit on my pew. And uh, what Jesus was teaching was world-changing. Uh, and I would go to lunch with new Christ with Christians and, and say, how did this become a, a religion? Like, I don't see Jesus talking about forming Christianity and uh, just kind of, you know, setting up churches and that's it. And I always was asking people that. And so I just was always searching, searching, and searching. And uh, it led me down a path of, reading um, whatever I could find, but also, if you remember, I was so, you know, we like to use the word on fire, that I, I was attracted to a group of street preachers that I even joined them for a while and uh, studied a time with them, evangelized, uh, and tried to preach a little uh, on the street, and that was really eye-opening for me and transformative as well. Uh, just imagine I was a baby kind of learning to walk uh, and I just wanted to run right away. <laughs> so I 
I don't know. I, but I think God's guided me this whole time and, and, you know, to the right people, uh, at the right time. And he's still doing it now. Well, it's interesting because you didn't have a lot of the religious underpinnings from all the different denominations and mega church influences and all the things that a lot of Christians, you know, get involved in uh, as believers. You were kind of new to all of this. And then along comes Jeff Morton, and I drop into your world. Uh, but you had been, you had this, I remember you said, I mentioned the word Israel, and that was what connected us the night we met because you had a passion for understanding what Israel was. Now, I didn't know any of this about you that night. No. But to me, it was kind of like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Because once yeah. again, I had another person coming into my life who wanted to know about Israel. So that was that's what perked my interest in, in our conversation that night. Go ahead. No, I just get excited thinking about it because, like I said, I was reading so much that, I mean, I sometimes feel like I was, uh, I think what James in the Bible is talking about, just getting carried away by, by doctrine and teachings, and I was kind of going left and right and left and right and just falling for everything I heard. And I was ready just to dive into some denomination, maybe, you know, set up my tent there and, and just write it out, affirming those beliefs and cementing them. Uh, but I don't know, something just pricked me. I was like, this is, this doesn't feel right. Uh, it didn't feel, nothing was holding me back from doing that. And so I, I remember just sitting in my office thinking, okay, what haven't I looked into? Like there's something missing. And so I, as I do, I always just would go on Amazon and search for books. And, and I go, you know what, I'm going to try to, I'm going to check out the Old Testament for a little bit. Uh, I wasn't really reading it. Um, and there was a book I think, by Christopher Wright, uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. And something in there, it just popped out at me. You know, when Jesus was being tempted, he was quoting Deuteronomy. Uh, Jesus' Bible was the Tanakh, the Torah, and that just struck me like, okay, well, how can so many Christians dismiss the foundation of, of the Messiah? And, you know, that, that was just me even before wanting to dive deeper to Hebraic background. Uh, so when I met you, you started to tell me about, you first mentioned Meredith Klein, so I went ahead and bought that book, the Suzerain Vassal Treaty, that stuff. I had just started watching videos on that. So I'm telling you, I met you. It was almost, it was providential. Like I, I felt like I met you and I was already on that path that I didn't really have like a guide or a friend to help me. So if I would have just, maybe it would have been another sort of wind guest that would have taken me and I would have came right back to some kind of pro a Protestant denomination and, and just, gone back into it but now uh like you always say in your podcast and in person i just see the bible differently now i don't see it uh it's really hard for me to have normal conversations with people uh i don't think about heaven and hell i don't think about anything i'm just trying to teach people the kingdom of god uh and the torah and so I thank you a lot for that, and I'm just growing and growing on it. But, yeah. What about now when you started understanding the Torah, 
and the law, you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to be negative about anything during the conversation, but when you started understanding that Jesus was actually Jewish and the disciples and all the people you were reading about introduced to were also Jewish, and then I come along and say, well, let's go back and look at how they would have seen all of this. So now juxtapose that to your, your street preaching. How is it different? Well, I just don't see a religious group that people need to join to get to heaven when they die. I mean, I see this, the, the God of the universe coming to show us exactly what he has always been trying to show us and how to change the world now, not sit around and, and wait for our airlift to, to get out of here. Um, he'd, oh, he, he had given us instructions from the beginning, and Israel knew that, and, you know, they veered from the path, and he corrected them over and over. So I see the world more, like you said, we're living our part now. We're, we're living the story instead of thinking I'm superior to the Jews, uh, as I believe you always mention. And, and that was something also that really kind of, I want to say offended me or I didn't like how people would throw the Jews under the bus um, and claim well, no, that me, for some reason. Let me stop for a minute. I mean, you're a new Christian. You're a new Christian, and you wouldn't have known anything about the difference. How did you begin to see yeah. Jews being thrown under the bus? What, 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 where does that come from? Uh, I don't know. I just... I felt something about the doctrine of grace as it's taught in the church. It didn't seem, it didn't seem right. It didn't, you know, like to think that the Jews didn't have grace back then and that they were just, that they either had to follow the law perfectly or they were going to burn. Um, when I started to read, I think it was Hebrews, and then I read about sacrifices, and then I jumped back to Leviticus. That was actually when I, when I made this connection where I go, wait, there's something, you know, the Jews have always had forgiveness. They always had, you know, they just, they they were living the same journey that we're living. Uh, and when I look around Christians today, I can guarantee you they are not obeying the law perfectly. Uh, but they, the ones that I, that haven't dug into this as much as I hope, almost feel superior because they were born on this side of the cross. And so when I get into a Bible study, I try to push that idea. And, and as, as we've discussed, it doesn't always go well. Uh, I'm not really in any Christian Bible studies anymore, but, um, it's just, I don't know. It was, it was me able to see that, you know, like Paul said, I mean, there really was no difference. There's no difference between the Gentiles anymore. And I just feel like the church has kind of lost that idea. Well, now, I mean, but, you know, the church is what introduced you to all of this. So Absolutely. you were raised as a Catholic, and then you accepted Jesus, and then you begin to realize there was more to his culture and his identity than what you were learning in the Christian church. I think that probably sums it up in, in, a, in a short sentence or two. Yeah, I, I just wanted to learn what the original audience would have learned from the Bible instead of 
complete set of new doctrines. Uh, but no, I agree. I mean, it, I told you we've talked about what I would compare it to, and it, if God can, God could speak through anything. And then I just started trying to uh, unmuzzle His voice and hear His true voice that He spoke through His people. And I think so. Every people can come to faith. Of course, they come through faith through through Christianity. It's, it's blessed the world. But who wouldn't want to know God better or become closer to Him if they can? that's kind of the journey that I'm on now and I love mentioning it to everybody uh, what, what I've learned and try to point them to it uh, not questioning their salvation but uh, because I know that that's a non-starter for people I just want to drive them to, to consider that they don't know everything uh, because we don't uh, we won't know any, everything until uh, the other side of existence really so you know, I've, I've often said, and I've heard other people say, and I agree with it, you know, the more I learn about this, the less I understand. I mean, the, the more yes. than I learn, the, the more I don't know. Because we, we serve an infinite God, and I agree with you when it comes to the kingdom of God being formed in the earth, and we're supposed to do our part. I think the church has missed that, that part from the perspective that, say, Adam would have known, or Abraham, or David, or some of the patriarchs because they all did something unique and that was they prepared the way for the Lord in so far as they were actively involved in what had to happen and almost all of it was you know fighting tyranny and political lunacy uh, in each one of those generations so I tend to believe that liberalism and conservatism are just the, the way we term the two camps today if you will but you know, the ideal is to be part of the camp of the Lord of, of the Bible, the God of creation. And with that, you have to kind of go back and start learning his instructions, which is what the law is all about. The law is not a legal document in the sense that we understand legal terms as you're a lawyer. The Torah is literally instructions directing our behavior in order to participate in the kingdom that's being designed. Would you or would you not agree? No, absolutely. I think what transformed my my view of the the law or Torah was just envisioning it as God's heart for His people and how He wanted everyone to treat each other and how He wanted the world to be instead of some taskmaster. He was a a loving, faithful God who was trying to transform Israel to be a light to the nations through the Torah and. Uh, Every time they were doing it, they were blessed, and when they stopped too, they were corrected, and it was always out of love. So. Well, now, let's, let's kind of combine the two. From being a diehard liberal to pursuing this biblical life now, how, how are you different? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was... I mean, the definition of worldly to me is totally engulfed in, in the culture and the pursuits of what media, society tells me I'm supposed to want and do. And, you know, I've, I've spoke with you. I think we're both major uh, fans of the movie Matrix. And it was literally like being disconnected from the pursuits of this world of fame, money, uh, satisfaction, 
and just wanting to understand what God wanted for us as people to do. And I've just been trying to become, I mean, God's been making me uh, through his spirit more kind and giving and loving. And, and I'm just excited to continue to change and get opportunities. I mean, I'm always looking for opportunities to help people and teach people. And, you know, and it's funny, I mean, the, three years ago, it's getting harder to remember who I was. So when you ask me what was I like, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. I can't really reach back to that guy anymore. But I do know I was, I was selfish, gossiper, um, addict, several things, uh, a liar to people I love. Um, I mean, everything you can think of. But at the same time, I was able to convince a lot of people around me that I was a good person because I was clean. I mean, I was like the Pharisee. I was clean on the outside, but in the inside, I was just dead and envious. And so, no, I'm I'm not uh, who I wanted to be, but I'm definitely not who I was. And I'm just, as I said, and as you said, the more I learn, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I go, gosh, I don't even, do I know anything about God? Because I'm just scratching the surface, but I've come so far and I'm just like, so far to go. It's exciting. Uh, I'm not discouraged. I'm excited to learn more and more and to be shown that I don't know stuff because I think coming to a point where you think you know everything, that's kind of when I meet people like that, I kind of want to knock them off the pedestal and just kind of, because I want to be knocked off my pedestal whenever, if I ever get there. Okay, so now, now you're a lawyer. You're back dealing with family and you're dealing with drama and brokenness and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I deal with water, broken water pipes, so on. You deal with broken lives, broken marriages. But now, three years down the road, your perspective on what you're dealing with has an added benefit because you have a spiritual connection to the God of the Bible, and you're not just kind of roaming through trying to filter through the chaos in these people's lives. How is that different for you? Well, yeah. When I was a family law attorney eight years ago, I, I mean, I hated it and saw almost no benefit except a paycheck. So when the street preachers came around and told me I had to quit or else I'd go to hell because I was endorsing divorce, I mean, that was, you know, they told me something I wanted to do. So I quit, you know, so I quit. Uh, I made it happen. I got a job that opened up. I would have never met you, so I'm really thankful for you know, I actually, I remember just feeling like I took a leap of faith by leaving that job. It was uncertainty. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I almost got fired. He kept me on, and then I got the PJI job. So it was kind of really cool how it worked out. Uh, but as I was doing this other work, representing Christians, legal rights, and uh, freedom of speech, I just felt, I felt again I was getting empty. I didn't feel like I was using the gifts God had given me. And so I thought as I was, and it was actually as I was getting deeper into the kingdom of God and Torah and, and just, it felt like, okay, if I'm not the legalistic person I was becoming, the world is fallen. People get divorces. God doesn't like it. But do we want non-believing people who, give a damn if this family gets through this 
and lives a, a decent life after, or do they want a lawyer who is faith-based, Torah-based, who knows he can stop conflict, he can he can uh, throw some water instead of gasoline on the fires, or or whatever puts out fires. It might be a <laughs> water doesn't work that great, uh, but you know what I mean. I just realized I could help families, if not reconcile, at least cause cause the damage to be a minimum. Uh, and I'm not I'm not a miracle worker. I still can't. There's some that are just so far gone. But even then, I mean, I I am able to talk clients out of breaking their parenting plan and getting police called on them or or storming over to someone's house or sending that dumb text message. Little things that um, can save a child's life, really. I mean, imagine seeing your parents fight when they don't have to. Uh, so I just take it as a as an honor and a privilege to to I'm in a field where the people will probably remember me. I mean, they're in their worst part of their lives and uh, not everyone that can claim that they get to do that in their work. So I'm taking it as, as an honor. It's very stressful and can uh, wear me down sometimes, but I think if you do anything worthwhile, it's going to feel that way. So. Well, we've just got a few minutes left, and I've got a couple more questions for you. You've been married now. How long have you been married? Coming up on 10 years in June, June 4th. Well, I'm going to ask you a personal question. How's your marriage today? You know, honestly, it's really good. And I'm probably going to give 100% credit to God on it because I became a Christian and started confessing everything to my wife and opening up and pushing her and uh, her same thing to me and we're just growing as a as a couple or we have our small little stupid fights tips whatever but nothing nothing like it used to be we're both very different now and I'm just really happy and we're raising two amazing little girls and my wife does so much for them and uh, yeah, I'm just lucky <laughs> how does she feel about the tour and jumping into all this ancient stuff that you know I it's funny because I always say to the pastors when I'm talking to them I said you know you always you always say that that Jewish stuff is over with and then you teach it every Sunday but your wife raised Catholic and now she's going to a regular church and also I know that she's you know got her toes tapping and in, in understanding what the Jewish people would have understood how how is she doing with that and then I've got a final question as a follow-up to, to the whole uh, interview, but, but how is she doing with that? I mean, she's been a champion throughout. Uh, I mean, as soon as I got converted, she had to jump on and fly with me and, and do whatever I was doing. Wait, and she never use the word converted, converted from what <laughs> to what? Cause you said a moment ago, I'm a Christian. That's just, I think what we should say is suffice it to say you're a believer who's kind yeah. of going back and studying the ancient world through the Old Testament as opposed to the Christian world through the lens of the Old Testament. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, I meant converted. I meant more like born again. So I'm talking way back when I first became a Christian. She got to see me with Zoom. Like, she was like, what is going on with Jorge? I mean, I was 
wearing, you know, I was wearing gospel t-shirts and, and just going out late hours and she supported me the whole time. I mean, she was excited, but then she also got a little nervous and, uh, but she is a hundred percent on board with, with, uh, the Hebraic background and we both started going to El Shaddai and she loved it. Um, we're doing the Bama study together. It's a great podcast. I mean, for me and for her, I try to explain it to her. The Bible stories that we grew up, I mean, I knew the Bible stories even though I didn't read them, but as a Catholic, you know, you learn about Noah and Adam and all that. And I just don't feel like I need to make myself believe that they're true. I now, when I research what they would have meant to, to the Hebrews back then, it makes sense, and it just strengthens my faith like nothing else could, you know, instead of just kind of closing my eyes and saying, well, faith is just believing something even though you don't understand it. Uh, I don't think God meant it to be that way. I think God was very, very precise in what he had the people write in the Bible for them. Uh, you know, John Walton says to them, not for, not to us, but for us, ideas also it was written to them, not to us, but meant yeah. for all generations. I think that's what John Walton would say. Yeah, and that just kind of makes sense, you know. That that kind of opened the door for me to, to really power through and learn learn more. Well, now, as a final question, and, and our time's just about up, and I want to thank you for taking the time to come and kind of pour your life out in front of our audience. Um, sure. What would you say to some of those diehard liberals that you used to call friends and that you associated with, what would you say to them if you were to try to help that person's life? Uh, I mean, I'm still friends with everyone I was friends with, so I haven't abandoned any of my, my liberal friends. Uh, I just, as I do to even, you know, diehard liberals and diehard conservatives, I, I just try to focus on the kingdom of God and other people and the betterment of society. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, component of trying to separate ourselves from just blindly hopping onto any team. Um, so that's easy for me to do on liberal side too. It's just, now don't believe everything you hear. Uh, the only truth is in the Bible. Uh, try to, Stay in there, learn about God, and open your eyes to, to the world. Uh, open your mind and your heart to the possibility that whatever politicians feeding you or media is feeding you might not be true, uh, and just hope that uh, it's hard, too, because liberals are fed with the idea that Christians' faith is um, just nonsensical, you know, and, and part of that it kind of circles back, you know, without a full understanding of what the Bible is really trying to say. I almost have a hard time explaining to liberals that Christianity isn't sometimes nonsensical uh, because sometimes you can ask a Christian, well, explain Adam and Eve, explain the uh, the ark. And if they can't explain it, I mean, what are liberals going to think? That, uh, so it's giving me, it's empowered me to kind of open up their mind to, you know, what you think you know about evangelical evangelicism and, and Christianity might just not be what you what you know. It's 
it's deeper. Uh, and, you know, I get a lot of, yeah, right, whatever's and no one cares, but I like being someone who can be different or open uh, because I did, God did give me that avenue where I was a liberal and I know that mindset a hundred percent and uh, I'm not a diehard conservative. I wouldn't call myself that either. I wouldn't either. <laughs> I, like call, I like to call myself. Uh, I I am conservative on on a, most all social things, and and I'm still learning. Again, I I I didn't know politics. I just hopped on one side and wrote it. I didn't research the other side or anything. Uh, just I think a lot of liberals are the same way. They just we grow up in Washington. You don't vote red here. You just don't. Um, you don't even look at it. Uh, and I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to reflect uh, biblical values to people. Um, if they want to call me a crazy Christian, and my life demonstrates that I'm not that, I'm actually out to help them and care for them, and you know, maybe they'll look to God, and that's kind of what I what I live. Well, I think that pretty much sums it all up. I mean, I'm glad that you're in my life. I mean, you've, you've been, uh, it's like having a sidekick now. I know. <laughs> so I know you like my, my 4 a.m. text, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 4 a.m. in the morning. There's, good morning, Jeff. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. It's a joy to have you in my life. I look forward to discovering whatever we're going to discover in the days ahead. And, uh, you know, as a lawyer, uh, you're not in private, you're in private practice. You, you don't have your own pra practice yet. So, uh, but uh, is there a way for people to contact you if they did want to contact you? Or is that something uh, maybe I could put in the, in the post when I edit this out? Uh, because you are a practicing lawyer. You're an attorney. Yeah, I practice family law, which is custody, divorce, uh, child support. And they can look me up on Google, Jorge Ramos attorney in Bellevue. I work at a small firm called Community Law Firm, and we do criminal law and family law, but I do family law. And yeah, if they have even just questions, I mean, just reach out and I'll answer them for free. Very good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on to Returning to Eden, and uh, thank you, Jorge. I look forward to whatever happens next. Amen, brother. Thank you for having me. You bet. God bless you, my friend. <laughs>